eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The doubleheader. Now, I watch this doubleheader in a very unique way. On Saturday morning, is when me and the family packed up from our little beach trip in North Carolina. But we were smart. We were not going to drive all the way from North Carolina to home because that's like an 11-hour trip. So we stopped uh, a little bit south of Washington, D.C., a suburb outside of D.C. Got there at about 4.30. I did tweet out, hey, do you think I can convince my family to go to Philly? That was never going to (laughs) happen. I I broached it real quick. I said, hey, what do you guys think of Philly? And my wife looked at me and said, no, that's not going to happen. But I appreciate those that invited me to their uh, tailgates at Citizens Bank Park. Thank you very much. So I got to Virginia, northern Virginia, at about 4.30, I think, 4.30, 5 o'clock. We went out for a great Mexican dinner outdoors, and it was approved by my in-laws, who are Mexican. They said, this Mexican food's pretty damn good. So it wasn't me. As the non-Mexican saying, oh, yeah, the Mexican food in uh, wherever Virginia I was. Leesburg, Virginia is great. They gave it a thumbs up. So I eat the Mexican food. I go to the bathroom. You know how that goes, Pete. I was in there for a few hours. And I got out. And this is so weird. I'm starting game one at 8 o'clock at night. My son is sitting next to me. My oldest son. My youngest son has passed out in his own drool. My oldest son's sitting next to me. And he's watching his new favorite baseball movie. Now, Hoff, you've got a few kids, one of which is older than my oldest, Jed, who is five. If I asked you to guess his new favorite baseball movie at five years old, what would your guess be? I think it has to be The Sandlot, no? It's a good guess. He loves The Sandlot. That was his old favorite baseball movie. Oh, so then I got I one more guess. Rookie of the Year. Boy, you're good, man. You're freaking good. Yep. You nailed it. Rookie of the year. What he couldn't get over, though, Jed, he kept saying to me, Dad, is that guy on the Mets? Is that guy really on the Mets? What's his name? (laughs) What's his OPS? (laughs) Oh, he went to the OPS right away? Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) That's not my fault because OPS is on the screen all the time. It's not like I'm putting it into his brain OPS. You're brainwashing him. <laughs> Maybe I am. So he's watching Rookie of the Year. I'm watching Game One Mets Phillies. And even though I'm so used to watching games on DVR, I don't know. Knowing there's two games and knowing I'm watching the first game seven hours after it started, 
is a very unique feeling. And I had no idea what happened in this game. I'm sitting down and watching it. I know that Zach Wheeler walked Brandon Nimmo to start the game. I knew that as I was watching. I knew that Trevor Williams was getting himself in and out of trouble, which was great to see. And the Mets were finally able to get to Wheeler. This was, like I mentioned earlier, the typical grind them, grind them, grind them breakthrough. Because before Perez hit that two-run single, they made Zach Wheeler throw 73 pitches in four innings. Meanwhile, they only had one hit against him. One hit. It was an infield hit. So four innings by Zach Wheeler, one hit, no runs, one walk. He threw 73 pitches through four innings. Like Tyler Naquin had an at-bat right before he struck out for like the sixth consecutive time. Tyler Naquin had a nine-pitch at-bat. Stuff like that is underrated, but it matters. And I am convinced that that leads to what happened in the fifth inning, where he gives up a leadoff hit to McNeil, where all of a sudden he's walking Tyler Naquin on four pitches, where Beatty's got that productive out that moves the guys to second and third, and out of nowhere, Michael Perez is coming through with a two-run single. And then the sixth inning, Lindor RBI triple, McNeil RBI single, and before you know it, Zachariah Wheeler's ass is out of this game. And Zach Wheeler, who I have great respect for, who I wish was a New York Met, I really don't have anything bad to say about Zach Wheeler, but he did say after the game he followed the new logic for when, what do you say when the Mets beat you in 2022? You say that they're lucky. And so Zach went to that. He went to the, well, had some lucky hits, (laughs) Some, some soft contact hits. And by the way, I'm not saying he's wrong. But it comes back to what we've talked about before when Spencer Strider said it. That's why you grind at-bats. That's why it's good to put the bat on the ball because you will get some luck. No question about it. And you're going to get some luck too when you face fundamentally flawed baseball teams. Now, not everybody's like that. You're playing the LA Dodgers and the NLCS. I'm not expecting them to trip all, all, all over themselves. But contact is better than no contact. And so I'm not going to rip Zach Wheeler. I wish he was on the New York Mets. But it's just another response of, well, they're lucky. Okay. They do get some soft contact hits. No one's denying that. I'd rather be lucky than good. Ev, I I said this a couple uh, about a week ago because they were, again, BT's ripping on the soft contact. They go, would you prefer hard contact, soft contact, or no contact? (laughs) And, And the no contact, I mean, that's Joey Gallo in a nutshell. So yeah. I prefer the soft contact. We're winning games. Of course. Of course. You can't expect that every time you make soft contact, it's going to dump in for a base hit. I get that. And there are going to be times where you're hitting a lot of bad luck. But I think that when you are a grinded-out baseball team like the Mets are, you're going to have more good luck than no luck because you're putting yourselves in a position to have the luck. But whatever. I don't want to rip Zach. I like Zach Wheeler. I really do. And I... I'm just frustrated that Steve Cohen didn't buy the team a year earlier because if he did, Zach Wheeler would still be a New York Met. But that was a great grind against Zach Wheeler and a great effort by Trevor Williams. I was surprised that Buck pulled him as early as he did, 71 pitches through four innings. But I remind myself, and I'll remind everyone this because I said this to myself watching it. It's not a video game. Even though Trevor Williams is quote-unquote, a starting pitcher and has been a starting pitcher. Look at how often he's pitched. Look at when he's pitched. Look at how many pitches he's thrown. 
I don't know if it's realistic after he walks Veerling in the fifth to think, well, he'll be fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's only 71 pitches. He hasn't pitched a lot. It's a part of why Trevor's been so impressive, whether it's long relief, whether it's getting a hold like he did a few weeks ago in Miami against the Marlins pitch in the eighth inning, whether it's starting a game. He has done a very good job in every role he's been handed. So, yeah, I mean, as I'm sitting there, am I sort of surprised when Buck went out there to go to Seth Lugo in the fifth inning a little bit? But when you think about it, I get it. It makes a lot of sense. And great job by Seth Lugo. He comes in there and strikes out the next three guys. He ends up giving up a run, but remember, he gave up a one-out single to Castellanos, and it was really Joely Rodriguez who gave up that double and a sacrifice fly that led to that run. Adam Adovino had a dominant eighth inning, and then the Mets are really able to blow this bad boy open in the ninth inning, which was great to see and fun to see. And they win a game that at least in my mind, before knowing what the Braves did, because at this point I'm watching this game 8 o'clock at night. I haven't checked in on the Braves. I think they were playing at that exact same time. I'm just great. We got the first two games. At minimum, it's a split. At minimum, it's five and six in this 11-game stretch against Atlanta and Philadelphia, which is fine. But once you win the first two, I'm a fat kid who wants more damn cake, especially when you've got David Peterson against Bailey Falter. Like in the first two games, you looked at the pitching matchups and said, ah, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, you could argue the Phillies have the edge. Maybe not with Nola Bassett, but it's close. But certainly with Trevor Williams against Zach Wheeler. Now you're facing Bailey Falter, who has like a 5 ERA in the 40 innings he's thrown. You have David Peterson on the mound. You've won the first two games. I'm going for the damn kill. And at this point, that's when I, because now it's like 11 o'clock at night. And my son's done with rookie of the year. He hasn't fallen asleep. And he's like, let's watch Sandlot again. That's why Hoff is so right on about the baseball movies. He knows what the kids like. (laughs) Rookie of the year and Sandlot. I think also Rookie of the Year, is it on Disney Plus or is it on Netflix? Because I think, yeah, Disney Plus. Disney Plus, yes. 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 So it falls into line, which is why Anthony, my youngest, just fell into Rookie of the Year too and was like, that was like a back-to-back movie. We had to watch that like twice in two days. Have you guys seen Little Big League? And do you think, if if they haven't, do you think your kids would like Little Big League? I, they have not, nor have I, to be fair. Really? Yeah, I know. That's what, It's an odd one. I don't know why I should have. I've seen Angels on the Outfield a thousand times, but Little Big League is the one movie that I did not see in that era. Um, I like to watch it with them. I, again, I don't even know what to expect. I'm not sure if they're going to be as into it, but I, I've heard it's a good movie. Do you know what it's about? Oh, it's a kid owner, right? Kid becomes the manager. The manager of the Twins. Yeah, of the Twins, yeah. He may be the owner, or he may be the son of the owner, or the grandson of the owner. I forget how he becomes manager. But essentially, the kid becomes the manager of the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. And, and it, but is it on that level? Like, the Sandlot's untouchable. Rookie of the Year's great movie. I think it's 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 up there as well. But would you put Little Big League on there? On that? No. Level? I mean, that's that's a, that's a no. tough level no. to hit. I would. I okay. So Angels in the Outfield, I hated. What? I really, I did not Tony like Angels Danza? in the Outfield. Yeah, yeah, Tony Danza. That's right. Also, Tony Danzen, who's the boss, sliding into home plate. He's out by a mile and a half. But whatever. Dude, what about that? Oh, wait, wait, wait. When they slowed down that moment in the, in the, <laughs> in the end of the movie, and there's no sound. And I'm like, uh, did they miss something? Like, I'm in the movie, they're going like, uh, where's the audio? Where did it all go? It, it, it screwed me up as like a 12-year-old. <laughs> you know what? I think what bothered me about Angels in the Outfield is how at Shea Stadium, 
all the Met fans would do the Angel thing for Angel Pagan. And it would just uh, drive me. I don't know why. It would drive me nuts. You were very but, weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Weird things bother me. Little Big League was a good movie. Rookie of the Year, Sandlot, or elite level kid baseball movie. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's as good. I'm more curious if my kid would like it. Well, what I thought was funny, real quick, before we get back to the Mets, is this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right after we watched Sandlot, because we watched these movies a bunch of times. I was with my nephew, so he's with his cousins on our trip. So it was a family trip. So one of the days it rained a lot, so we were watching a lot of movies. And after Sandlot was over... It pops up, do you want to watch Sandlot 2, which I have never seen. And so the kids are like, yeah, let's watch Sandlot 2. We put Sandlot 2 on. Pete, within nine minutes, the kids are like, this is terrible. Shut it off. Oh, I wish. Somehow my little kid watched the part three as well. Really? And liked yeah, it? I, I don't oh know if he liked God. it. He just likes baseball, so I guess he was into it. I, 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 honestly, Evan, I don't know. I was questioning his uh, his judgment on life. <laughs> That's funny. That's <laughs> funny. Anyhow, back to game three of this series, game two of the doubleheader. So my son is now watching Sandlot for the 15th time, asking me a lot of Babe Ruth questions, which I don't mind answering. I have great respect for Babe Ruth. But little did I know, and little did we know, the Mets lost this game when Nicholas Castellanos robbed Jeff McNeil of the two-run single in the top of the first inning. Because remember, Bailey Falter gets into trouble. He's losing the strike zone. He walks back-to-back guys. He throws a wild pitch that gives the Mets the one nothing lead. Jeff McNeil with second and third two outs hits a line drive to right. Castellanos makes a diving play. Didn't think it was going to lose the Mets the game, obviously, at that moment. But this kid, Bailey Falter, to his credit, goes 1-2-3 in the second, 1-2-3 in the third, 1-2-3 in the fourth, works out of trouble in the fifth, 1-2-3 in the sixth. He was dominant. Mets couldn't hit him, which was really the story of that game because David Peterson wasn't great by any stretch. Pitched in the fifth inning, gave up three runs. But Steven Nagosik was. And the Mets were so fortunate, Peterson too, to get out of a lot of big jams. Even in the first inning after the Phillies tied the game, strikes out Castellanos in a big spot. Even after Alec Bohm, what a really good series, hits that two-run double, they had a chance for more. Peterson gets out of it. Back a strikeout and a really good play by Lindor. Fourth inning, first two guys get on base. The Phillies were even bunt sacrificing. He gets out of it with some big plays, including Schwarber to fly out. Lead-off double in the fifth inning. Back-to-back big strikeouts against Bowman, Rio Muto. Nagosik comes in, gets a big strikeout of Matt Vierling. At this point in the fifth inning, it's 3-1 Phillies, but the Phillies had 13 at-bats with runners in scoring position. If I'm a Philly fan, I'm losing my mind. I should be up 8-1. So it was one of those games, and I have to admit, watching it, now it's midnight, it's 1 a.m. I'm very far behind, obviously, on DVR. I honestly thought the Mets were going to win this game because... Even though they couldn't hit Falter, 
The Phillies were missing out on so many opportunities. Beatty makes an error, and then Jeff McNeil makes that insane diving catch to end the sixth inning. Sixth inning, 3-1. to one. The Phillies have left 10 guys on base. I'm thinking, Mets are going to come back in this game. They really are. They can't hit Jose Alvarado for whatever reason. They haven't been able to hit him all season long. And then you see Rob Thompson get desperate, which I love. I respect it. It's like when the Mets go to Edwin Diaz for six outs, he goes to David Robertson for six outs because little did we know, certainly the Fox crew had no idea, and I had no idea, and I certainly have an interest in this. He's on my fantasy team. Sir Anthony Dominguez is hurt, and now he's going on the injured list. So Robertson needs to get six outs. Mets can't do anything with him in the eighth inning. And even when they start rallying with two outs in the ninth, and they're now down 4-1 because the Phillies added that insurance run, I still thought they were going to come back. I really did. So anyone who thinks I'm so negative, I'm watching this second game of the doubleheader thinking, right, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. He's walking Mark Canna. Beatty's coming up as the tying run. They're going to come back. They did not come back. Spoiler alert, I was wrong. Kudos to Robertson, though, man. Guy left his arm out on the field. And then for some reason, Rob Thompson uses him in the fourth game of this series, which is when the Mets rally, as we talked about. Little did we know that the end of that game, game three, doubleheader, would help them win game four because they worked David Robertson so much in that ninth inning despite not rallying. He had nothing left when he gave up the second home run to Mark Hanna, the two-run home run in the ninth inning. So even though I was wrong on Saturday night, I may have been right eventually Sunday afternoon. Great, fun, feisty series by the New York Mets winning three out of four. And when they went into this stretch against Philadelphia and Atlanta, what I said was, just play 500 ball. Well, they played 11 games. They went six and five. The problem is the Atlanta Braves went eight and two. So the Mets did lose two and a half games in the standings. Unfortunately, obviously, the head-to-head didn't help when the Mets lost three out of four to Atlanta. But overall, considering Carrasco and Walker get hurt, and in those games, they've got to go to the bullpen early, then you have a game where you've got to start David Peterson, a game where you have to start Trevor Williams, a game where you've got to call up a kid from the minor leagues making his major league debut, and Jose Budo, and follow him up with another kid making his major league debut who worked in a bank a year ago with Nate Fisher. And somehow, somehow, in those five games, you win two of the five. That is surviving. And the Mets survived. And now, because of the off days, because of Taiwan Walker presumably coming back at some point, I have not seen an update as we record this podcast on if Buck Showalter has announced when Ty will make his start, whether it's Tuesday against the Yankees, whether it's Thursday or Friday against Colorado. But presumably, Taiwan Walker is on his way back, and the Mets have multiple off days coming up. Wednesday after the Subway Series, and then Monday after the Rocky Series, where they can kind of reconfigure their rotation, get guys rested, and have themselves ready to go for this final stretch. They have survived. And coming into this weekend against Philadelphia, it was about survival. Two and two would have been acceptable. They won three out of four. And now it's off to what I think is going to be a very interesting series against the New York Yankees. 
Obviously, I'll spend more time on this back on the fan with Craig Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 2 o'clock. But in my opinion, the New York Yankees are obviously going to turn this thing around. They're not this bad. They're not as good as the way they play it to start this season off. But they are not a bad baseball team. That's why I got angry with my old friend John Heyman, who decided to go on Twitter and make a very negative comment. A negative comment about the about the New York Yankees. In which he says, well, the Mets have had a tough stretch. Now it gets easy. They go to the Bronx. Stop it. Your record is what your record is. The New York Yankees have the second best record in the American League. Okay? They do. They are still incredibly likely to win the American League East. They're not this They're 74 and 48. They're 43 and 20 at home. They have the most home victories in Major League Baseball. Trust me, going to the Bronx isn't going to be easy. Even with Max Scherzer on the mound, and we'll see what they do with Jacob DeGrom. Um, I like him to face the Yankees. I think it'd be fun. But at the end of the day, he is coming off a major injury, or you know, he missed a lot of time. I guess it's not a major injury. God knows what the injuries were. I mean, we know what this recent injury was, but really it's Jacob DeGrom is coming off missing a year of pitching Major League Baseball. I think that's the most accurate way to describe it. So if you want to feed him an extra couple of days, I got no problem with that. I really don't. I don't think that you have to view this schedule and say he needs to face this team or he needs to face that team because the truth is he's going to face the Dodgers either way if you're intrigued by that, if you find that to be important. But whether it's the Yankees or it's Colorado or it's Washington, that really doesn't matter. You're not looking at any more games against Philadelphia. And obviously the Braves series isn't until October. So really, when you look at the rest of this schedule, not all easy, but it will certainly get easier after the Dodgers series. It's not as if you need to figure out, well, I need Jake pitching in this game. You want Jake facing the Braves in October, but you've got a lot of time between then and now. So... I know there's a lot of Met fans who really want Jake to pitch the second game of the Subway Series. Selfishly, sure, I'm going to be there. I'd love to see it. It's quote-unquote fun. It's not that big of a deal if Buck sees this as an opportunity to give him a few extra days of rest. It, it really isn't. If Taiwan Walker's good to go, you throw him out there Wednesday night against the Yankees. 